the Royal Richmond Hotel, I think, with all the past experience and the, you know, being surrounded by various mentors and, you know, different styles of cookery and that sort of thing, it's just, it's, it's a time, time now to um, try and pass on all those past learnings to a, a new group of young people. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. They say what's old is new again. The same can be said for old venues, history in the walls, behind the wallpaper, brought to life again and celebrated with a new light. Just as the gastro pubs of Australia have evolved, we have seen money poured into the restoration of old buildings to give them a breath of fresh air. Todd Garrett is a general manager and food and beverage manager of the Royal Richmond Hotel. Todd, how are you? Yeah, I'm great, Anthony. Um, yeah. You've uh, attached yourself to uh, a building with an incredible history and been part of this uh, redevelopment of it. Uh, what's it been like being part of the rebirth of the Royal Richmond? Yeah, it's been unbelievable. I think it's it's. I've been really fortunate to land in this role and also in a position where I can have an influence of, um, of, you know, imparting some of my experience and some of my thoughts into the design process and also the build of the, the Royal at Richmond. Um, I mean, it's one of the oldest pubs in New South Wales and being in a, um, a Macquarie town, there is, you know, a vast amount of history that is attached to the pub and to the area. And I think, um, what's another couple, another, you know, Windsor is obviously a, a, a Macquarie town, a few, a few others in that area. I think Parramatta is, maybe a uh, Macquarie town as well. But um, when you look back at the history, it, uh, some of the goings on and just the, the family ties and, and the, the links that still exist today to some of the the characters that come into the pub and their, um, their stories that are linked to the hotel are really special. So it's been a, it's been a, it's a, it's been a learning curve, but it's also been, um, it's also been exciting to be down this, you know, down in the cellar and coming across, you know, a centuries old, refrigeration panel and those sort of things. So it's pretty, pretty fun. <laughs> is, is there some stories you can t- share about the history of the building and the, and the connections to the area? Yeah, sure. So I'm still learning a little bit about the, uh, you know, the history and every time you meet someone, they've got like a different story to, uh, to share and, and obviously a different perspective to impart on the, on the, the, the time of the hotel since it's been, so it's been there since 1848. Which is pretty remarkable, and we've we've we spent a lot of time actually, uh, you know, digging digging up past photos from from the building. We have a whole wall that's dedicated in one of the areas of the pub to the the timeline of the pub, I guess, from from its first first days. You know, where the, the horse troughs out the front and the, the big steep sort of stand, sandstone uh, gutters and pavements, I guess. Um, you know the veranda out the front and, and and so on and so forth to what the the pub is to today and uh you know there's a there's a couple of there's a couple of stories i've heard since i've been there from uh you know from people and we've, we actually have a resident that stays at the pub and he's been there for quite a long time as well so um you know there's there's a couple of stories of you know some ghosts floating around upstairs i don't know whether true or not i've i've fortunately not bumped into any of them yet um, you know, I've heard a story of how there, there used to be a, a birthing suite underneath the underneath the uh, the pub in the cellar. Um, yeah, so there's some some weird and wacky stories that are attached to the pub. Whether they they hold any water or there's 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 truth to the to them, um, I'm sort of still to find out. But I mean, the the bones of the pub itself are 
amazing. You know, there's um, there's still some grand plans that we have for continued renovation of the pub. Um, but as it, as it is at the moment, I think, uh, we're, you know, we've done a fantastic job and uh, it's really a fantastic representation of and and the, and the credit to the owners, Karen and, Karen and Peter as well, to um, their vision and uh, the story they want to tell, which I'm fortunate to be part of. You've had the most extraordinary career working with some incredible operators and chefs and, and, and amazing venues as well. It might be hard to go through all of them, but take take us back to when you were young. What, what sort of role did food play in your family? Um, nothing extraordinary. I mean, mum and Nana were always like pretty active in the kitchen. Um, Nana was actually an amazing cake decorator. Like she used to do wedding cakes for people. So that I guess there was some sort of spiritual attachment there from from an early age. But apart from that, like the, the the sort of the clear memory I have is from being at school and and doing one of those, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up type type things. And more, first of all, you know, the usual thing was a policeman because I had a, an uncle who was a policeman at the time, and I really looked up to him and and the shiny, you know, the shiny uniform and all the shiny, you know, buttons on the uniform and so forth, and the polished boots, and sort of loved that and spent a lot of time around that as well. Um, but then, yeah, I sort of always wanted to be a chef. Like I vividly remember drawing a picture of, you know, a knife cutting through a tomato when I was about you know, nine or ten or something. And then, uh, then made some scones one day with Nana, and you know, she gave me the big G up and said they're the best scones she ever had. And I don't know if, where they are to this day, but yeah, I do. I still do enjoy making a scone. But uh, yeah, I fell into it. Like did 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 the old. Uh, you know, back in the day, we were still doing uh, what they call it, like a work placement from school at year 10. And I had no real desire to go um, any further than that. You know, I sort of wasn't particularly enamoured with the thought of going on to year, to year 11 and 12. And I, um, you know, you're, you're, you're familiar with Canberra. I actually did my apprenticeship at uh, a carousel on top of Red Hill, which is, back in the day was a like a classic French old school restaurant where we had geared on service. We did flambéing. Um, you know, everything cooked to order, all the sauces made to order. So it was the foundations were, you know, pretty pretty strong from from the word go. And I, I really, you know, was immersed straight away with working with a lot of European chefs. And I mean, a lot of the Europe, a lot of the kitchens in Canberra at that time were one were run by European chefs, whether whether they be you know Italians or or uh, French, or in the case of my original boss, um, Jean-Pierre, he was French-Swiss, so he, or Swiss-French, I should say. So he always said to me that, hey, you did the right thing by me, you stick with me, I'll make sure that you get set up and we'll send you off overseas, um, you know, to where I basically well, learned his craft uh, in, in Switzerland, and that turned out to be the case. He teed me up with a job in Switzerland, and I arrived in a massive hotel kitchen uh, on my 19th birthday, I think it was, to, to start in Switzerland. So it was a, a real eye opener. And I mean, it was a real gift too because I was in a position where I could learn another language. And uh, I picked that up pretty quickly, French. And I mean, it's one of those lifelong skills or, or talents or whatever you want to call it that's, that's stuck with me. And um, whilst I don't get to use it so often, um, it's, still, it's still there. It's still deeply, deeply entrenched. And, you know, when I, whenever I pick up a book still or watch a movie, you know, after after a few minutes, I get back into the swing of it, and away you go. So it's it's been really fortunate for me, you know, from going from a position where you can, you know, pick up a knife and learn how to turn a potato or or make a tomato rose or any of that old school 
old school stuff to you know to it, it just it just felt, felt right at the time and it, and it still does like it was a great um it was a great learning curve and particularly to be uh exposed i guess to those french traditions at an early at an early age uh it was amazing i remember having a meal actually one of my first days in switzerland with jean pierre's parents they picked me up and you know went there for a sunday lunch you know on the on the on the um, banks of the of banks of Lake Geneva, looking over to Mont Blanc, which was spectacular, and we had like you know braised rabbit and uh, you know all those kind of things you sort of just hear about and and read about, and that was just a you know a regular Sunday lunch. So I mean that 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 history and that culture of European cuisine, I guess, is um, you know I was, I was super lucky to be exposed from that from a, from a really early point in my career. And particularly, you know, in that hotel restaurant style, you you know, you see you see the traditional, you know, if you're working in Garde Manger or Lada, you're, you're cutting steaks to order, you're running them over to the section, all those all those sort of you know old hierarchical sort of uh, roles within a hotel kitchen, which um, put you in put you in good stead for the rest of your career, really. You worked in uh, Michelin star restaurants in Austria and and France. What, what did you take away from those experiences? There was some things I always wanted to do. It wasn't until much later. I'd sort of spent um, a lot of time at Pier. I'd been there for five years with your old mate uh, Hodges, um, <laughs> which was eye-opening. And uh, Steve and I remain very good friends today. Um, but that was a you know a fairly similar time in obviously fish cookery also, and um, you know being given the opportunity to work in a, in such an amazing establishment and and groundbreaking at the time that Pier was. Um, I'd been married. I was married by then. We started a, new, a young family. My my um, former partner is from Austria, and we uh, we thought we'd take you know like a, a sabbatical year and go over and work over there. And uh, yeah, worked worked in some time in some Michelin establishments there. Some some good, some not so good. Um, particularly the Austrian experience, I thought was a standout. I was working in a in a place called. Um, in a place called Obertown, which is in the county of Salzburg, in a in a two Michelin star place, so run by some brothers who'd been there for many many years. Obviously, been in their family for many many years, and it's just that experience of kind of almost being cooped away. You get up in the morning, and you you know you trudge through the snow to get to work. It's still dark. You fire up the fire up the stoves. It was very very modern still. Like this, this is back in two thousand, so it was very progressive food by then. But just to see the way that. Uh, that 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 training and and that um, almost like military position is applied to everything that's done, whether it's you know the receival of goods, the storage. I mean, all those things that are taken for granted in kitchens, really, of a of a, of a good of a good uh, caliber. But I mean, it's just a real a real eye opener to be exposed full time to amazing produce that's you know coming directly from farms or you know you could, like a cellar out the back that's just uniquely there for the storage and ripening of cheese and all those amazing, you know, wonderful things that you, you get to experience in Michelin start environments, I think. And then um, I guess one of the other massive eye-openers for my time there was I got the chance to work in a pastry shop in my, ta- my, my former partner's hometown of Hallane in County Salzburg as well. And that pastry shop had been there since like 1740 or something in the family. You know, and originally they, they only just used uh, honey, and uh, you know, there's no kind of sugar at the time, essentially. So their 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 trade was in candles and gingerbread, you know. And that that's um, and uh, Hare Hare Brown, who was the the 
the patriarch of the family who was passing on his trade and his knowledge to his his twin sons had trained under Gaston Lenotre. So there was this, you know, again, this amazing sort of thoroughbred, I guess you could call it, um, lineage of pastry chefdom, which I was being exposed to, which was super cool to see as well. And just those traditions and all the all the sort of things that we don't take for granted in Australia that you get to get to be exposed to in in Europe. So I'm, uh, you know, I, I love, I love that, love that whole part of my career. You mentioned um, Pierre, and uh, you spent five years as head chef there, one of the most influential restaurants in Australia's history, with an incredible alumni that have done all sorts of things. And you mentioned Steve Hodges. Um, take us back to that time. What, what was it like for you in that role? Um, it was a very steep learning curve. Um, you know, Greg and Steve were very uh, rigorous in what they wanted to do and the story they wanted to tell. And I guess when you compare to, you know, take, take for example, what uh, Josh is doing now at Fish Butchery and St. Peter and Charcoal Fish, like, uh, you know, his, his, what he's doing now is version God knows what. That's, you know, really, um, you know, breathtaking what he's doing and groundbreaking and boundary pushing. Sort of where we were at is, I guess, version one where we, you know, started to dry scale fish and, and you know, treat fish in a very different manner, like keep them away from water, and and all those sort of things that that uh, that Josh preaches about now. Which when you when you when you see them, um, you know, many years down the track, you realise that um, you know we we're really onto something back then. And I mean, you know, it's through the through the the networks that were created back then too. You know, with John Sussman, with Flying Squid, all those guys. You know, obviously know John very well. Um, you know, they've done so much particularly for the seafood industry and bringing greater, greater recognition and greater importance to our seafood stocks. I mean, even even back then, um, you know, some of the products we saw back in the day, and I'm talking this, this is back in like 19, this must have been like 1991 or 92, like some of that product you just don't see anymore, you know, unfortunately, because it's, it's been, you know, the resource had been poorly poorly managed or, or um you know the the stocks are dwindling, whatever. Look, there's been a massive there's been a massive change, but uh, you know things are things. Obviously, the ship's been right a lot now, but um, that 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 you know that that focus of just treating fish simply with as little as little touch as possible, and and you know there are many many times we would have frustrating days, you know, trying to educate the dining public on how fish or the perception of how we perceive fish should be cooked. I.e., just cooking to a point where it's where it's just cooked, almost verging on, you know, just set. So there was some, um, you know, some interesting service, to say the least, with uh, Mr. Hodges and Co. You spent time with um, with Neil Perry and Andy Evans at, at Spice Temple as well. How different was that compared to the kitchens you had been in? Yeah, that was kind of like a brief, sort of almost a segue. I'd finished up our time in um, the restaurants I'd previously owned with uh, Tracy Trinder and James Hurd. We'd, we'd been in business together for about um, 12 or so years across a, a, a various number of um, establishments. And I was, again, I was, I'd sort of looking for a bit of a breath of fresh air or, 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 you know, taking time out to reassess and take stock of, you know, what was going to be the next stage of my life and where I was going to go from there, I guess. And, um, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd known Andy for quite a few years by then. We, we, uh, 
used to play some late night ping pong across the road from Buzo, which we owned um, at the, uh, the Light Brigade Hotel. He was the chef at the Light Brigade at the time. So we used to spend a fair bit of time hanging out after work, drinking beer and playing lock-in ping pong, ping pong which, was, which was good fun. And uh, so we'd always remain in contact and I just sort of fell into the fell into a, uh, a part-time role at, at, at Spice Temple. I've never really had the opportunity to, to cook Asian food before and, and, and particularly with all the various styles that, of Chinese that uh, they, 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 well, I believe they master at, at Spice Temple. Like Andy, Andy's an amazing, um, an amazing chef and has an amazing affinity with the, the ingredients they use at Spice Temple and obviously they're using you know, the best that they can get you know, the beautiful fish from Corner Inlet, or, you know, everything that's, that Neil has championed for so many years. Um, and, uh, yeah, that was that was uh, a great experience and just being able to, you know, sort of finally understand and apply some of those techniques in, in a more Western, in a more Western uh, way as well and just get an understanding of how things are, treat, are treated in, a, in, a, in an Eastern kitchen, I guess. But um, I wasn't there for that long, probably about nine months or so, but, uh, yeah, I really, I really enjoyed the time there. Down in the down in the depths below um, Bridge Street, there. That twelve year period that you uh, spoke of just just before, where you owned and ran, you know, some of the most awarded restaurants and celebrated restaurants of of that era. Um, you know, whether it was Boozo or the Wine Library or Vincent. Um, tell us about that period of time. What was it like being caught up in that energy and the creation of those venues? Yeah, so we sort of fell into Buzo a little bit. We um, we inherited that that restaurant and and brand for some from the former owners, um, Daryl Taylor and Rob Broad, Broadbent, and we sort of just continued. You know, we saw the sort of value in the brand and obviously the uh, the value and and what had been, what had been begun with Buzo, and we just um, you know pushed it a bit further and 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 made it our own. And it was just really just our interpretation of what we thought you know Italian. Trattoria style food could be in an Australian environment, and people people did love it. And it was one of those one of those establishments that uh, you, you you know you could frequent a couple of times a week because it wasn't particularly challenging. It was just you know good times, tasty food. Um, you know, much the same as like I, I go to Bar Vincent now, literally just around the corner from my place. Uh, it has a very similar vibe. I think it's one of those places that like the quality and the execution of the, the food is is second to none. And, and Andy and Sarah and the team do an amazing job. And it's one of those places that you feel welcome and you want to go back to over and over and again. And I think that's what we had at, at Buzo and by extension Wine Library and and um, and Vincent. You know, they're they're really cool times. But that um, you know, like everything in hospitality, I think there's there's a, a shelf life to everything you do and. Um, you know, the shelf life had sort of, or, or the, the run had come to its time and it was was time to move on to other things. And, um, I mean, that's where I'm now many years on from that. Like at the, at the Royal Richmond Hotel, I think with all the past experience and the, you know, being surrounded by various mentors and, you know, different styles of cookery and that sort of thing, it's just, it's it's a time, time now to... Um, try and pass on all those past learnings to a, a new group of young people that we're trying to, you know, foster at the Royal, to, you know, we want to, we really want it to become the, you know, the premium or the number one hospitality venue of choice. You know, if you, if you want to go learn about hospitality, you know, come to the Royal now because that's, you know, we've got fast wealth, you know, a wealth of experience between myself, Karen, with whom I worked at Pier many years ago and she worked, um, you know, she worked 
across many of Sydney's uh, finer establishments as well. And um, Peter Wynn, who's been a lifelong publican, so you know I've I've, I've uh, landed in an environment of um, you know great strength and understanding and passion for for food and wine and hospitality. Tell us a bit about what you've created there and and what the offering will be. You've got such a a rich history from a culinary perspective and and also very different venues, but what what are we going to see at the Richmond Royal? Yeah, so it's like, I guess we're not, it's it's never going to be sort of like a cookie cutter menu too much in a sense. Like, I mean, a pub always needs to have, in some respects, certain dishes and certain offerings that make people come from make you know they know they're in a pub you know i'm talking schnitzels and obviously really good quality um house steak um you know we have a pizza offering and all that sort of thing but i guess the underlying story we're trying to tell is the engagement i know it's a a word that's bandied around ever so often but that sort of farm to table um you know you sourcing the products locally and then using them as much as we can, which is not always that easy in a, in a high volume pub environment um, in the pub kitchen. But we're 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 blessed in the fact that we're in this amazing food bowl. And I think a lot of chefs in Sydney just don't quite understand how close to Sydney a lot of the produce is coming. You know, we've we've got farmers in the road, block eleven down the road. That um, I made the association when I was working with Josh and helping out doing the the carriage work markets. Um, Greg from block eleven was always at the markets and always have a chat and then it wasn't until later that we realised he was literally down the end of the street at the pub. So we use we use we use Greg Fry quite frequently. Um, you know, we get these beautiful prawns from Gary Howard over at uh over on the banks of the Hawkesbury. And I mean having having Marty Boats out there as well has been been really helpful. He's in made, he's made many introductions to, to local uh farmers as well. And we see the you know, we see the the multi Generating all the the generations of families have been coming to the pub as well. Like there's lots of you know uh, Maltese farmers have been working the land there forever. You know who grow grow vegetables and salads and all those sort of things. And it's you know we've got neighbours down the road who have got a, an amazing amazing orchard and you know a hundred year old pecan trees. We've got about 120, 120 kilos of pecans sitting in sitting in. Uh, in, in bins at the moment that we're slowly working our way through that we know we incorporate to the menu and and uh, we just did a massive bake sale on the weekend for, for the launch of our new bar in the beer garden. So there's a stack of new projects we're working on, we've launched and we still have to do. And I, I guess the most one of the most exciting uh, programs we've introduced there is is the the meat program with like we, we offer different different cuts, you know, different primal cuts um, in consultation with with Darren from Darren O'Rourke from Vix, who's been really helpful, and he's a he's a Karajong resident, so that's very handy as well because he'll stop in for a beer and have a chat on his way home from work. Um, and also from uh, the WSU, um, the Western Sydney University, we work very closely with Joe Kovacek, who runs the 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 farm management program there. So he's been breeding all manner of cow, like Black Angus, um, you know, Limousin. Uh, he's got beautiful black black faced Suffolk lambs out there as well. So we we sort of tap into that market and we have them processed over at Wilberforce, and then Darren helps us out with the the you know breaking the majority of the animal down to the primals for us at Vix, and we take take back all the primals and we uh, use as much as we can, um, you know whether it's by way of doing producers dinners or offering those 
in the in the in the bistro itself. So we got a massive bandsaw and the a bandsaw and dry aging cabinet. So we cut the cut the primals to water and grill them over lava rock. And it's, it's pretty cool. Like it was, I had my doubts when we first sort of conceived. You know, it's not it's not like it's never been done before. But I mean, in a pub environment on the outskirts of Sydney, and which is which is predominantly a semi rural environment, um, I sort of had my doubts to begin with. But people have people love it and they you know they they line up for it that's a bit of bit of theater as well you know diving into the diving into the dry aging cabinet cabinets in the midst of a you know 250 or 300 cover service and lopping off lopping off stakes perilously trying to avoid your fingers and you know sort of giving the giving the spiel but it's um yeah i mean it just gives a, a different element to what we're trying to do and and a little bit of a, a story, and the majority of pe- the people who live in the Hawkesbury as well understand that attachment, and and welcome it as well. You know, we're looking at putting, getting our own. Um, we know we source honey down the road from Signature Honey. Sky Young Girls been been. There's uh, got some hives down on some some, of the polo land there, and and that's um, we've forged a bit of a relationship with her, and yeah, there's there's some really exciting stuff going on, but um, just that just that ability of. Being able to say, okay, well, when I'm driving to work and I'm coming along Richmond Road, on the left hand side, I'm I'm seeing the cows that could eventually, or will eventually, end up on the plate in uh, in the in the pub, and it's literally, you know, a kilometre or two away. So I mean that that that's that's really exciting, and I mean Joe takes so much care and thought to the you know with the breeding program and also how much um, time he puts into maintaining and and managing the pasture so that you know the cows are uh, a day you know have this 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 amazing grass-fed diet for the majority of their time and uh yeah it's really cool what do you think makes a, a great gastropub uh I, well i think it just comes down to the hospitality really i, I think I, I wouldn't wouldn't really call what we're doing like gastropub you know there's still a strong a strong focus on being just your everyday pub but there is also you know, I guess with the the meat program and a couple of other things that we do do, um, there is a lot more craft involved. I guess, like you know, we are making puff pastry. Are we, you know, we're making pies out of pastry that's that's being made instead of just going to the freezer and dropping a shatter pack onto the ground and you know, hoping it yields something that's edible. Uh, so we're, we're you know we're really instilling a we're trying to instill a craft into everything the guys do. You know, that, and that that comes down to to you know. You know, in the, in the future, we want to have a like a bakery on on site. Well, not necessarily on at the pub, but very, very close by, so that we can, you know, sort of continue that and sort of leave some sort of legacy for the for the young guys who are are starting to come on board and, and they've embraced that. And I think, um, you know, people who live in the area, and you know, you have to you have to. Like Richmond is still a little bit of an island in some respects. Um, you know, it's still thirty minutes from Penrith. It's still you know, it's it's kind of its own little town. It's got its own little vibe going on. So, in some respects, yeah, people do are seeing the pub as a little bit more of a night out now, which is which is really encouraging. And then, you know, we we take that time. You know, we're making our own sausages. It's just, I think, you know, the gastro pub thing is just about wanting to instill some craft into everything that you do and making it as homemade, I guess, as possible. And that comes down to like all the preserves we do and the pickles and all those little bits we do that we can offer. In a in a re- retail setting as well, um, at the at the bistro counter, uh, everything that kind of makes it a fun place to work. I think, I, you know, if, from a, from a chef's perspective, I think if you're going to go to the Royal and work now, at least you're going to you know pick up some pick up some skills that you may not 
have otherwise. And I'm very fortunate to have um, Joe Ward from Bistro Rex and like formerly of Claude's and, you know, who, who spent many, many years working with Chong Lu as well. So she's a, she's an amazing uh, craftsperson. Um, and I'm, well, she's a very good, very good friend of mine as well, but we're, ex- we're extraordinarily, like, extraordinarily lucky that she can afford us like three or four days a week. And she's, you know, she's really taken on that, uh, that mentoring role in the kitchen. Which the which the younguns are appreciating. The last two years have had an incredible impact on everyone on the planet and those in the hospitality sector. What, what sort of impact has sinking your teeth into this project had on you during this time? Yeah, well, it's been very stop, stop start. Like the, originally, I was really involved in the project to set up the kitchen and design the kitchen, and, and uh, you know, one thing turned to another, and the, you know, the conversations evolved and ended up becoming the general manager, which is a, a, like a, you know, a novelty and also the opportunity to learn something of a new set of skills. I mean, I've, I've run businesses before, but this is, you know, same sort of skill set in a very different environment. Um, there's definitely some trepidation to begin with. Like, I, you know, everyone knows that in pubs, a little bit what goes on. Like if there's a bit of, uh, you know, a bit of loose banter or, you know, some uh, elbows that go the wrong way, everyone knows what can happen. So from that, from that perspective, I, yeah, there's a lot to learn, but uh, you know, for, for the majority of you know, the p- people are very well behaved. I was I was a little bit um, concerned when I first started there. Like I'm not the I'm not the uh, I'm not the biggest guy. I'd never I'd never be able to um, you know jump into a ring with anyone, nor would I want to, nor nor is nor is that my role either. But, I mean, it, like they just, there's some 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 big uh, some big um, individuals out there that can be a little bit intimidating sometimes but um yeah it has been stop stop start like obviously in that area there's you know been covid uh we're really lucky in the sense that we retained a lot of the staff uh even up post this last you know this this or the most this other lengthy lockdown we only left we only lost about uh, one or two staff members out of about 40 which is incredible which means i think that the staff are really buying into what we're trying to do and they're, they're, they're part of, you know, they want to be part of the story and part of the growth. And they, you know, for the guys who are looking to make a career in hospitality, they're, they're sinking their teeth in, which is, which is awesome to see. But, um, you know, in amongst that, we've had the floods, you know, had the big floods back in, uh, when was that in probably April, I think, or around that time, um, you know, and then the fires, you know, prior to, prior to the pandemic as well. So it's a, it's a very, resilient community out in Richmond. Um, you know, everyone sort of jumps in and helps each other. And, you know, we've, we've tried to do our best by supporting like a lot of the local um, organisations, the RFS, uh, you know, particularly with the Freemans Reach RFS. We've, we have a really good association with them now and we, you know, we organise events to help raise money for them. And, it, you know, it's all, all about, you know, that's, I think one of the major roles of a pub is, you know, that real community engagement. You know, we're fortunate enough to be in a position that we can, that we can, we can host events um, and, you know, push forward certain stories that we, we think are valid and uh, worthwhile and worthy for the community. So, I mean, that's, that's the majority of the work that I do now is, is sort of that community engagement and, you know, creating events and, 
other sort of activities where we can, you know, like foster relationships and and, and get that get that uh, return clientele coming back. You've had an extraordinary career, and there's venues that we just haven't even had a chance to even mention during this conversation that you've been part of. But what is it that you love about what you do? Oh, I think it's just the diversity of the role. I mean, I've never, I don't think I've ever really worked as like I mean, I've always been a hard worker. I've always I've never been shy of doing the hours or you know, putting in the time, but this, this role is, is really something that, um, is, you know, an all encompassing role, like, you know, from, from sorting out DJs to, you know, keeping an eye on the food and beverage, what's going on there to, you know, working on the wine program and the cocktails and training and project managing renovations, all that sort of stuff. Like I, I just, I love, I just love being, engaged like all the senses being gay engaged and having having my fingers in many pies at once so you know whilst you definitely make mistakes and and uh errors are made that's it's you know you, you're learning all the time and i mean at at, at you know for the time of, of being in the industry that's that's the thing that excites me the most is that the continual learning process and the ability to keep on learning I mean, I've, I haven't lost my passion to cook or to be involved in the kitchen, so I'm, I'm really fortunate from that respect as well to be to be able to like you know dip my dip my toes in there every every week and you know help out with the Sunday roast and and all those things you know all those little bits and bobs and like you know hey I want to do this on the menu this week can we try doing this and you know just get me the ingredients together and you know we can make some pastry or we can make some donuts or whatever it is you know but it's at least it uh, it it you know. It engages everyone. The whole kitchen get involved, and it keeps me sort of in touch with that side of things. And uh, yeah, it's. I think it's a. It's a. It's a role that you know you could you could you could do this role in the city, but it would probably be more just purely admin. I think. Whereas this, it's it's you know it's very hands on, so to speak. Still, you know, from from the the hospital the hospitality perspective of you know engaging the engaging the guests and you know going around and having a chat with them every day and you know shooting the shit so to speak to um you know the 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 finer points of you know working out contracts to do with beverages and all that sort of stuff so it's it's really it's a really cool job i love it well the redevelopment and and what you've created there in one of australia's you know most important uh pubs in in a historical sense is pretty extraordinary and I look forward to seeing what you do over the next year with it. Um, we've loved having you on Deep in the Weeds today to hear a bit of your story. Uh, Tom, oh, my pleasure. Thank you. Um, please keep in touch and uh, we'll catch up again soon. Will do. Cheers, Anthony. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Stay tuned as we take a deep dive into the lives of the incredible people who ply their trade in the food and hospitality sector. Special thanks to executive producer Rob Locke for making this all happen. Follow us on Instagram at Deep in the Weeds Podcast or email us at podcast at deepintheweeds.com.au. Stay safe and be well.